Hello again, listeners. Welcome to the fourth episode of Making City Planning Work in India, a series of discussions with Dr. Bimal Patel. Those who listened to our first episode know that we talked about the need for a paradigm shift in the approach to urban planning. We have been elaborating the elements of this paradigm shift in later episodes. Today, we take up one of the most important issues in our planning system that relies heavily on the application of unrealistic norms and standards, and that issue is affordability. Good afternoon, Bimal. Welcome again to our podcast. Good afternoon, Bala. Thank you very much. I'd like to start today, uh, Bimal, with a personal experience. Uh, you know that 10 years back, Samia and I collaborated with a real estate developer, Sanjay Shah, you also know him, to create a company that delivered affordable housing on a market-based model. When we did that, our presumption was that even within the existing regime of rules, we should be able to produce legal housing to serve at least the top layer of people who live currently in informal settlements. Well, to our surprise, we found that the regulations and norms and standards and everything forced a lot of unnecessary costs to be added on you know, like excessive parking requirements, you know, restrictive uh, ground coverage, forcing us to increase the height and thus requiring elevators and so on. So my question to you, the starting question to you is, what are we missing in the way we frame regulations and norms in our cities? Mala, what you, what you say, uh, you know, I, I know you, you and Saumya and Sanjay tried this uh, experiment of uh, delivering affordable housing uh, and um, which you hoped would cost less enough uh, to serve uh, the, the top layer of people who live in, in, in slums. Uh, and you, you, you did not succeed uh, uh, in, in producing housing at a cost that was affordable. Uh, your, your dream was pretty much like the dream of, uh, of Ratan Tata uh, when he wanted to build a, a, a nano car. If I remember correctly, he wanted to build a car uh, that would cost just one lakh rupees. And his dream yes. was to see uh, that all these people going around, you know, with their families uh, perched uh, on two wheelers, on scooters and motorcycles, uh, some of them at least would be able to graduate to an inexpensive car. Uh, you know, and uh, to be able to do this was his dream, and that was the nano car. And you were, in some sense, dreaming like him, saying that you know, all these people living in slum, at least a few of them will be able to escape from there and be able to make it to pakka housing, uh, right. you know, pakka and formal housing, not informal housing. Yes. Now, you know, for for building his car, what Ratan Tata had to do is to use all his ingenuity to ensure that he, you know, his production processes were efficient. Uh, you know, whatever he did was, uh, you know, his overhead costs were low so that he would be able to bring down the cost of the car. But more importantly, he had to get a new car designed that was designed at a standard that was lower than norm, lower than the standard that was being used in present day cars. Right. I mean, primarily it had to have, you know, it was a co more compact car, uh, it, you know, it was a lighter car. Uh, in some ways, it was perhaps not as spacious or perhaps not even as safe 
as some of the more expensive cars, but he wanted to create an affordable car and he thought that being on a scooter was unsafe. So right. being in a car that was slightly less safe than the normal ones was better than being on a scooter, which is very unsafe. Yeah. Um, he was able to produce his car because he was able to build it at slightly lower standards. Now imagine that the Motor Vehicle Act did not permit him to lower standards. Imagine that the Motor Vehicle Act insisted that your safety standards had to be of the of, of top-notch safety standards. Your space standards had to be top-notch. Uh, the facilities that you provide in the car have to be top-notch. Uh, he simply would not have been able to produce his car. And I think your situation was pretty much like that. Uh, yes. Our building bylaws require uh, are all require require us to produce buildings at such standards that it's simply not possible to produce uh, 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 buildings that cost less than the industry standard. Uh, so housing is somewhat like that. The legal building, the building bylaws that we have are set so high, the standards that they impose on anybody who wants to build housing is set so high, that's impossible to create low standard uh, lower standard houses, even though that lower standard might be much better than the standards that people enjoy in slums. But you know, in the housing sector, it gets much worse than in the car sector. Now imagine, not only were motor vehicle act such that you can't produce a, a, a car of lower standards, but suppose it said that it is absolutely forbidden to make two-wheelers because they are completely unsafe. And it's not possible, it's not, it's forbidden to make three wheelers because that is also unsafe. And how in India can we allow people to produce, uh, 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 you know, um, motorbikes, yeah. sorry, or, 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 or vehicles that are of a lower standard? So, our housing rules actually do something, bylaws do something like that. Uh, they pay no, atten no, no attention to uh, how much our people can afford but keep insisting that things have to be produced at very high standard compared to what they can afford, of course, at a high standard. And, 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 and as a consequence, force people to live in illegal housing. I mean, in many ways, this is like exercising untouchability in another way. You know, in earlier times, people used to say, if, if you're going to do that occupation, you're beyond the pale, you can't live in the city, you can't live in the village. Now right. you're saying that you can't afford a, afford a house of this standard, well, you're not allowed to live in the city. And that's sort of exclusion is what our bylaws end up doing in some ways. So you, you get the gist of what I'm saying. Uh, yeah. uh, our bylaws are exclusionary. Uh, they are set, when, when planners sit down and make standards, they pay no attention to what the income level of people in India is. And they end up setting the standards so high that a legal house is primarily not affordable to most people in the city, thereby forcing vast sections of our population into, into, uh, into slums. Anyways, I'll tell you more later about, about uh, uh, you know, how, how bad the situation so, is. So, uh, you know, just to extend this a little bit, so uh, are you saying that the standards uh, have to be forever low or, you know, standards can be upgraded as we uh, go along? I don't know. When, when we get no, better. You know, a, a country, I mean, hopefully India will not 
remain as poor as it is for a long period of time. Uh, the, the philosophy of setting standards should be, let's look at what our people can afford. There are certain standards you might say are, uh, uh, you know, uh, certain, certain, certain things that you might want to insist on, that if you're going to live in the city, for example, you have to have a proper sewage system in your building. Uh, uh, but, you know, uh, there are certain other standards you should not insist on, space standards, for example, yeah. land right. standards you should not insist on. As India becomes richer and its people become, you know, can afford more, the standards can be ratcheted up. Now, this right. just give me an idea of how bad the situation is. We did recently, and, and that paper is available uh, on the internet, we, we did a sensitivity study to see uh, what happens when you lower standards? So what we did essentially was to say, okay, let's design a, 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 a kind of a, a housing, a, a economically weaker section housing on a plot of land in the middle of the city. Uh, and then let's ensure that we follow all the standards that the bylaws demand. Now, you quickly realize that there is one type of housing you can produce if you do that. You have to leave space for car parking, you leave uh, setbacks, and you have to certain height beyond which you cannot build without an elevator, as you explained earlier, so on and so forth. You follow all these norms and you get some sort of housing. And okay. we say, okay, so now what does the cost of this housing come out to be? Uh, and, and we said, okay, that's the cost of this housing. Then we said, now let's relax some standards. And you know, we didn't want to relax standards that would affect neighbors. For example, setback from, from boundary walls, we said, no, we will not relax. But we'll say, okay, since this is housing for poor people, we will not insist on car parking requirements, or right. uh, we will not insist that staircases should be as wide as they are required. I mean, you don't need five feet wide or four feet wide staircases. They could be three feet wide and they'd work. Uh, we said we'd, we'd allow walk up for one more floor beyond what is allowed. So instead of so many floors, you allow a little more, so on and so forth. Yeah. Uh, road weights, etc. I mean, these are standards that, you know, these are all much, much higher than any slum standards, but right. lower than the standards that were mandated. And yep. guess what? On that same plot of land, we were able to build housing that was 30% cheaper than the other one. And by some basic calculation, we were able to show that it would suddenly now make the housing affordable to uh, I, I don't remember exactly, but 10 or 15% more households in the city than, so 10 or 15% of the households in Ahmedabad who presently are forced into slums, uh, and about 40% are forced into slums in any case, 10 or 15% of the top of those would now be able to afford a house. That's like, right. and you'd call this a nano house, but that's, that's, that's what, so it's that bad, the situation. We have, we've yeah. set our standards high, it's, it's, it's all these people, uh, setting standards high and forcing people to live in slums. Right. Uh, and, and what do they do? They go out and build illegal slums. So then you have non-compliance, people build illegally, and planning is said not to work. So I think planners need to take a serious look at what they are doing. I, I don't think we fully acknowledge how pervasive poverty continues to be despite whatever gains we have had as a nation in the last couple of decades. So I, I sometimes wonder, is that why we have this tendency to set the bar too high? I think you hit the nail on the head because I, you know, in my, you know, the, the kind of big delusion in India is, you know, all these people who, all, all people, people like 
people like us who set the standards, planners, etc., you know, academics in colleges, let us say people who they, they simply have no sense of how poor India is. In, in my conversations with them, I, I sort of ask them, so what's the per capita income of the country? And they'll say, mm, well, we haven't given really a lot of thought to it. Then you ask them, what's the per capita income of China? What's the per capita income of the United States? Uh, and, you know, I'm astounded that most people don't know how poor India is that the upper capita income would be something like, you know, nominal terms would be, would be $1,700 and the United States would be $50,000. Right. And people simply don't understand this. Uh, most people in the academic world, you know, let us say average professor making 12 lakhs a year, uh, they think of themselves as, uh, you know, in the middle class. <laughs> they feel that they have modest incomes. Uh, there's nothing very high about it. They simply don't realize that among, they are amongst the top one or two percent of Indian households. Uh, you know, they're not middle class. They're only middle class by American standards. Yeah. Uh, but, but, you know, they are, uh, by, by Indian standards, they are the elite. Uh, so they simply don't understand how, how poor we are. And, and, and you know, and, and no country can afford a living style, living standard. No family can afford a living standard higher than its income, at least not for a long period of time. And that's the real problem. We, we, we seem to not understand that, 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 that India is a poor country and, and most Indians are very poor. And we, we have like, uh, you know, always copied our norms and standards from developed countries. I remember some exercises that you used to get, that you got done when you were looking at uh, the regulations in Ahmedabad. But sometimes I think it's an aspirational thing. You know, we, we sort of aspire to be the best. And so we think we should set our standards high. Do you think that's? Yeah, that's, there seems to be some perverse psychology at play. I mean, people do it with the best of intentions. I'm not saying they're, you know, these exclusionary bylaws are made by, uh, you know, people with, uh, uh, with uh, you know, mean people who are trying to keep people out. That's the unintended in, uh, outcome of what they are doing, of their good intentions. Uh, as, as usual, you know, good intentions is, 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 is not enough. You've got to look at. So, uh, you know, what we are often doing is just saying, well, uh, you know, this is the standard which we must, uh, we cannot, uh, we, we, how can we sit down and uh, allow lower standards to prevail? Yeah, but you say, lower standards to prevail or not prevail is not a question of legislating standards. It's a question of how rich or poor India is. And if a country is poor, and if that country cannot uh, afford a certain lifestyle, certain amount of security, certain amount of safety, it simply will not be able to do that. Uh, by setting standards high, you can hardly make the country richer. Okay. All you end up doing is, uh, is setting the bar so high, most people have to make illegal buildings and, and not follow the rules. So that's, that's really the problem. Given our sort of political history, uh, at least in terms of, like you said just now, at least in terms of stated intent, the desire is to build an egalitarian society where you know even the poorest person has access to a 
minimum standard of living. So we are not arguing against that, right? We are saying that regulations and norms are not useful instruments for achieving those standards. Yes, yes, very simply. I mean, you cannot, uh, I mean, you cannot, you know, sitting down, writing in your bylaws book that everybody's uh, uh, housing colony will have a large uh, garden to play in. It will not ensure that everybody will have a garden to play in. Uh, uh, if, 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 if our income levels are low, then we will have to make do with less. Our people will have to make do with less. Uh, if you look at the history of, uh, of, of standards in the West, take Manhattan, for example. I saw a beautiful map here, and I'd recommend that to people in, in the National Geographic, uh, which, which showed how much of Manhattan today would be illegal if the present building bylaws uh, right. were to be applied to those buildings. You get it? So, uh, okay. mm -hmm. you know, a lot of this, a lot of the buildings built in the 19th century or early 20th century followed standards that were much lower than present day standards. Right. Uh, and which is precisely why those buildings could be legally built at that time. They weren't slums at that time. They were, they were not illegal buildings at that time. They were legal. Right. And as the, uh, the income of people in, 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 in the United States gradually rose, they kept ratcheting up the standards, right. and, yeah. and as as those standards went up, uh, you know, then you said, okay, that old stock of housing may may stay, but uh, anything new that is built will be of a higher standard, and, and and essentially that's that's what country after country does. I mean, if you go to go to Hong Kong, all the housing that was built 30 or 40 years ago was an extremely low, uh, uh, low standard housing. All it did was to get people out of slums, put yeah. them in places that were legal, put them in places that had proper toilets, uh, and, and, you know, and they were pakka. Uh, so they didn't, you know, they weren't, they wouldn't burn down in a fire and they were not shanty towns uh, in some ways. So, but that was all that could be afforded at their level of, of, of income at that time. Now, if you go, many of these old buildings are either being torn down or are being upgraded to higher standards. And Hong Kong is now a much wealthier place. So right. slowly, as societies become richer, standards have to be ratcheted up. If right. you do not sort of keep, <laughs> these two are not in tandem, uh, you're going to force a large number of people uh, to uh, not be able to follow those standards. And, you know, it's so difficult when you argue this with people. I remember once arguing it with, uh, with a structural designer. You know, after the earthquake, Bala, I'm sure you remember because you did so much work in, in the uh, post-earthquake reconstruction stuff. Everybody wanted to ratchet up the, the earthquake safety standards. Yes. Now you say, yes, that's a good idea, but have you paid any attention to how much more cost you are imposing on the population and whether the population can afford it or not. And you know, the amount of, you know, there's such, I mean, people would be indignant. How can you think of, of, of jeopardizing uh, lives of people, uh, uh, you know, by, by, by proposing that, uh, that we should not follow the highest earthquake standards, you know, by that, by that, 
you know, and, and, and there's no arguing that when they're in that in that mode, there is no point arguing because to take the take to, to consider costs uh, and then it becomes an emotional argument. I, I, the only thing I could tell, I remember a structural designer who was arguing with me for higher standards. And I said, listen, if, if the same logic were carried over into the car industry, Yes, the nano cannot be allowed. <laughs> nano is not allowed. Forget nano. All cars would have to be Mercedes. Most cars, yeah. That's... Uh, most cars. I mean, you, you, you basically set your standards so high that in, in, in a crash, nothing is going to happen to the kids who are inside and people are going to be saved and this and that and the other. But what you're doing is that you're forcing, every, forcing everybody, you're telling everybody, listen, you want to have a car? It must be a Mercedes. <laughs> listen, right. people make trade-offs in their lives. People say, listen, I'll make do with that much of, insic- of risk when I'm driving, but I'd rather use the money for, 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 for maybe education for my kids. I don't want to spend it on the all on housing. We, we live in slightly lower standard housing, but I think we need to spend money more on education, etc., etc. People make their own trade-offs. Yeah. So, so um, the whole, whole, whole area needs a lot of uh, thinking through. No, you said people make their own trade-offs. We, we, uh, in in our regular lives, uh, we fully understand the logic of incrementally improving our standard of life as our income increases. But when it comes to policy, we somehow uh, yeah. don't get that logic. <laughs> well, well put, well put. So, so I want to extend that. Uh, that gives me a segue into the next thing I wanted to discuss, which is the issue of unrealistic norms and standards in another important area, and that is infrastructure. And let me take an example. So a lot of cities don't have a proper sewerage uh, system in, in you know in the in their uh, developed areas, and when they look at uh, managing their sewage, they want to go straight to a full-fledged sewerage network and treatment plant, incurring enormous capital and operating costs. And then you have problems because not everybody connects to the network. So sometimes the sewers run dry and they get silted up and the treatment plants are too expensive to operate and so on and so forth. So I've been doing some work with a group called uh, Borda um, and they promote uh, practical decentralized solutions for sewage management. And we get stymied frequently by two things. First is this tendency to pick up big ticket projects instead of practical solutions. And secondly, unrealistic standards of effluent quality when it comes to decentralized treatment. It's a, it's a kind of all or nothing approach. Do you think that's a related issue here? Yes, completely. I mean, completely related. The same psychology at work. When we want to set up standards for our infrastructure, uh, 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 we we want to, you know, we, we don't want to do anything less. I, 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 you know, I roll my eyes up every time somebody says, well, ensure that it is world class. And I roll my eyes up and say, my God, you, you know, do you realize what world class stuff costs? Do you know? Do you, you know? Do you know why? Uh, uh, you know, infrastructure. What, do you know what the cost of infrastructure in Western cities is? Uh, how much money they are able to spend? And the only reason they are able to spend is because they are at a higher level of economic development, have higher incomes, fifty thousand dollars per person per head, and you can do magnificent infrastructure. Uh, but you have fifteen hundred dollars per person per head, and and you have to make do with less. And, 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 and very often, you might even have to make do with almost nothing, uh, you know. And, and so, um, you know, people forget 
that the infrastructure of the West was also gradually and incrementally improved. It did not, they did not start with world-class infrastructure. Uh, you know, as they grew, they improved their infrastructure. Yes, certain standards must be followed. You must do things well, try and do as robust as possible, but often you will not be able to because you just simply do not have the money to build so much infrastructure. In which case, uh, try to do, focus on things that have to be done today and cannot be done tomorrow. I mean, that's essentially what, what I'd say. Um, and, what and would so those I, be? Uh, you know, uh, take, take for example, uh, when, when your city is growing out into the periphery, okay, and all Indian cities are growing out into the periphery, and uh, like ink plots, our cities are going to expand out and, and, and sort of spread into the countryside. Uh, they are also going to densify in the center, uh, and, and old, old buildings are going to be broken down and, and new, uh, bigger buildings are going to be put up. But, 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 but in the periphery, you're going to see a lot of growth. Now, what do you want to ensure when you grow out into the periphery? And I'd say there's only one thing I'd tell any planner, Indian planner, that they must ensure and nothing else if they concentrate on, it's okay. Uh, and that is leave, leave land for streets, leave space for streets, create a street yeah. network uh, as you grow out into the periphery. If you do not leave space for streets, that's one thing you won't be able to get later. Okay. So if you have to put all your energy into something, well, put it into leaving space for streets. Infrastructure can be built later on, the roads can, you know, once you've left space for streets, uh, uh, um, you know, you can pave the roads later on, you can put infrastructure there, you can put lighting, you can put trees, you can make the streets beautiful. Uh, you can do all the, you know, you can do bicycle paths and this and that, or do all of that. Do that. Yeah. Do that. First of all, ensure that there's space for streets. And if you don't have money for anything else, don't, 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 don't waste it. Waste it on, 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 on making a few great streets. Just ensure you have space for streets. I mean, that's that's the kind of logic, you know. Uh, yeah. Understand. Be realistic. Understand that we cannot. We do not have the money to build everything together, but. Uh, do what's what cannot be done later on uh, first you know that that's the idea essentially and, and same story when you do center city redevelopment but uh, that's you get the gist right right um and we this point about streets is something we covered in an earlier episode also so i i don't before we close i i think we should also take a look at the flip side of the argument because i get very worried when critical infrastructure, which is necessary for good governance and economic development is compromised on the argument that we can't afford. Give, give me an example. Office buildings that governments operate out of, um, you know, infrastructure that is required to promote manufacturing, um, the IT industry, anything that, you know, helps us build the economy and bring in money. Yeah, I, I, I'd go even more basic. I'd go even more basic. Uh, you know, uh, listen, if today I have less money, what would I put it in? Well, certainly, you know, education, for example. A primary health and education, yeah. And health and education. I mean, I, I'd certainly try to ensure that, uh, uh, that, the, that, that, that people are better educated. People have, uh, you know, have uh, 
safe and secure. I mean, public hygiene of some basic sort. Uh, that is, these are these are kind of things that I would say. If those those have to take first priority. Okay. Uh, other infrastructure, yes, it's important. Economic development is not going to happen unless we also put money into into decent infrastructure. Uh, some of the things we can build incrementally. Some of the things we need to build straight away. Well, so, so, so uh, I completely agree with you uh, that uh, that 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 you know uh, the one of the big things that we as planners do is to uh, is to figure out where the resources of the city are going to be used, uh, and uh, we should try. Uh, if, if your resources are not sufficient, we should try and find out where, what does not, what cannot be compromised on, okay, and fix on it. We might want to do more, and we should want to do more, but that you know we can leave for 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 a whole other talk um, because uh, I I think we have to figure out also as planners how we can expand uh, expand resources and, and and build stuff, build build infrastructure. That is uh, that we cannot pay for from taxpayer money in ways that uh, ways that pay for itself. So, but we, we can take, talk about that at at, at at some other stage. Right. Um, that would be a, a whole other new topic. So yes, uh, don't compromise on stuff that is important uh, and, and and cannot be. But focus on things that simply you cannot do at a later stage of development. So to conclude this uh, session, we are not saying that we shouldn't have norms and standards. We are definitely saying that we need to revisit our approach to norms and standards in urban planning in India. But we we are we do have a set of norms, and it's often difficult to uh, you know sort of change them. So what uh, do you think is the direction we should take to fix this these sort of uh, systemic issues? I think we should we should not necessarily lower standards across the board, but we should have perhaps graded standards, uh, so that uh, you know a, a, a when 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 doing things, for example, when when building housing, let us say, uh, uh, you 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 could make an application saying I'm making uh, uh, you know uh, uh, standards that are uh, let us say of the highest order of middle order. And, and 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 lower order, and this housing would you know everybody who's using that or this housing is being sold to would know that the standard regime that is being followed is A, B, or C, and, and they could sort themselves out according to that. And and as 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 they become richer, they could move from from C standard stuff to B standard, and then to A standard stuff. And India, as it becomes richer, could move in mass. From C standard to B standards to D, you know, A standard. Uh, if we don't do that, all that we are doing through our present building bylaws is exercising untouchability in another form and forcing people into illegal housing, into shanty towns. Uh, and, and that's the story of a lot of traditional Indian planning. You set the standards high, most Indians have to live build illegally. They cannot follow those standards. And that's, we, we have to get out of that, that whole uh, paradigm and, and move to another way of thinking about things. Thank you, Bimal. With that, we close this episode. 
in the next and last episode of this series we'll discuss how to make plans implementable i look forward to that discussion yes pala me too thank you very much dear listeners thank you for joining us and do look out for our last episode uh, in the series on making city planning work in india stay safe and take care